Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. Party people, episode 12, Wake and Rake, April 26th, baby. It's Monday. Happy Monday to everyone. If you're listening on a Sunday because you couldn't get enough baseball, have a good rest of your weekend, I guess, for the little hours you have left. Padres Dodgers this weekend, electric again. Dallas Braden is going to be joining today's show to join my co-host, as always, Will Middlebrooks, Danny Bietti, to join us and talk about the 13-game winning streak that unfortunately came to an end for Oakland. But you you had a kind of a quirky little stat with Oakland. Is that right? With the run differential? Oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> so just, okay, so obviously everyone knows they started 0-6. Yeah. And they weren't just losing those games. They were getting their ass beat, like boat raced. Um, they were outscored 50 to 13 in those first six games. So it really set them back as far as differential goes. Uh, so they rattled off 13 straight, lost today, and they still have a negative two run differential. That's how bad they were the first six games of the year. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think about. You win that many games in a row and you're still, at, you're still in the red. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. You're either winning or not, like whatever. But they're back. We knew they would be. Houston played terrible for a while. They're heating back up. Uh, that the Angels have been getting beat up by Houston the past couple days. Um, I don't know, man. It's a bloodbath in that division in the AOS. It, it will be all year, I think, too, which is going to make for some really good baseball. My Seattle Mariners are right there, baby. I told yeah. you about the Mariners, dude. They're, they're competitive, man. I that it makes it even tougher. It makes it even tougher division because no one expected them to. Uh, I mean, it's. It's April. This has been like the longest April. I feel like there's been so much content, not only for us, just for every baseball fan. There's so much has happened in the first th- three, four weeks of the season. This yeah. has been a lot of fun. Time now for a Rowdy Roundup presented by Rowdy Energy. Use promo code WAKE and RAKE on Rowdy Energy to get 10% off their products. We'll get in talking about the Bauer Tatis. Um, feud on twitter i know you don't like calling it a rivalry so i called it a feud for you it's growing on me i i just want to i actually i want to start calling a rivalry tatis said quote it is the best rivalry in baseball right now unquote agreed agreed it is there are the two best teams in baseball in my opinion yeah we okay we were talking about this i think it's very obvious because you you made this point before we started um recording this episode it's like all these other teams are beating up on each other but the Dodgers and Padres, if you actually watch the games, they're just head and shoulders above every other team. They are. And San Diego doesn't have the best record right now. But I no. think once we look up in, in September and look at the records, we'll be like, oh, they have 90 wins, um, yeah. which I think they will because they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of star power. And, dude, can we just say these Dodgers-Padres games, last night, so Saturday night, for you guys listening today on Monday, so Saturday night game, with Tatis and Bauer and the second game in a row, Tatis had two homers. Yep. He's clearly back. The shoulder's feeling good. The two-hand finish. Actually, the second homer was one. He one-hand finished that pitch. that was like eight inches outside. He just barreled it. Dude, these games have been so enjoyable. I, I That was the first game I've watched in a long time from start to finish, and I was like, that was fun. Yeah. Like you had a little bit of everything. You had you had studs on the mound. You had studs in the field making plays. You had big homers. You had guys pimping homers, and you had pitchers not caring about it because you know what? I'm gonna pimp my strikeouts. If you get me, great. It's hard to hit homers in the big leagues. Enjoy it. I loved everything Trevor Bauer had to say about that situation. How do you feel about it? No, I couldn't agree more. So give everybody a little bit of context here. And again, if you're not listening on our podcast platforms, by the way, 
You're probably listening on Apple Podcasts too because we now are available on Apple, Apple Podcasts. But if you're not listening on our podcast platforms, you can also watch us on YouTube and you'll be seeing these clips as we're talking here. So basically the Tatis Bauer thing. So Tatis, his first home run, he covered his eye. Uh, just like very, you know, like like Bauer did, he pitches with that one eye closed. And so Bauer's trolling them. Excuse hey, me. And Bauer I, also yeah. said post game in spring training when they asked him about that, hey, what, what, he, instead of saying like, oh, maybe I'm working on something, he goes, if they can't hit me with one eye, what are they going to do with two? Exactly. So that was only fitting that he got that Tatis took him deep. And then the second, <laughs> uh, second homer against Bauer, Tatis touched home plate and he did the McGregor. McGregor. McGregor and Tatis, which Bauer loves to do. Um, so, and then they asked Bauer after the game, all credit to Bauer. It was just like you just said, he said, look, I want to clear something up. It's good for the game. You know, this is where we, I don't want to be hitting players for celebrating excellence on the field. Right. And whatever you think of Bauer, if you think he's a bad person, if you think you don't, you don't like his playing style, you don't like that. He's so active on social media. So be it. But if you disagree with that, I think you might need to rethink your ideas of what's powerful in this game. Honestly. Yeah. Like I, spot on. I'm not necessarily the biggest Trevor Bauer fan, um, yeah. but he, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way and he doesn't care because he is who he is and I can respect that. But I gained a lot of respect for him after mm-hmm. that interview because he said, you know what? If you get me, I it is so hard to hit a homer in, big, in the big leagues. If you get it, celebrate. I'm going to celebrate my strikeouts. Hard to get strikeouts. Good hitters. I'm, I'm going to celebrate. This is good for the game. It's good for the fans. Let's grow the game. Mm-hmm. I know I enjoyed it. And I'm somewhat of a baseball purist, but the game has changed. This is a different era. And what happened last night is what's going to bring younger generation to the game. Yeah. Even, even the older generation, there's no way you could watch that game last night and be like, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. That was pure entertainment is what it was, period. And I, I, I want to watch them play every night. I can't wait to watch them tonight. Well, good, because I think we got 12 or 13 more games on deck of Padres – can't wait and then the the postseason so you talked about how it's extending it's helping this new generation of baseball this new style right so a lot of people don't really realize what i do as a job so to give everybody a little bit of idea so i post a lot of our stuff to the cbs sports social accounts so we posted a photo it was a you know a description essentially of bauer and tatis's feud throughout the game and then bauer's comments blah 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 so I posted that to the CBS Sports Instagram. It's got, you know, nearly a million followers, got a big audience, but it's mostly football audience. Okay, right. baseball does not normally work with our platform. I posted it, did not expect it to do anything. I figured what typically whenever we post about baseball, we get comments that say, who cares? It's baseball. Nobody cares. Baseball is still a sport? Question yeah, mark? Exactly. It, it, you get those comments, especially from football heavy audience. But the comments back, and I posted this on my Twitter, if you haven't seen it already, was this is great for the game. Respect for Bauer. Tatis and Bauer is great about it. Like the comments were overwhelmingly from positive, non-baseball I have, people. I have rarely, if I've ever seen that on the CBS Sports social platforms, I have rarely seen that it when nice. it comes to baseball, which was, it was really refreshing. Cool. That game last night, there wasn't one part of that game where I was bored. Expe- I mean, he had his first homer early. So I was like, oh, I hope he gets him again. Like I was, I couldn't wait for that matchup. But in between Bauer versus Tatis, there's Machado, there's Hosmer, there's Mookie. Like, there's all these players in that matchup. That's just, it's a loaded game. Literally, somebody can go deep every pitcher in that game. You could get punched out. There could be a diving play. Like, there's so much talent when they play each other. I, I was against calling it a rivalry because of the lack of success that the Padres have had in the past 10 years mm-hmm. against the Dodgers. They have like a, under a 35% win percentage against them. So I can't consider that a rivalry. That's what I said. But the, after every game I've watched this year, to hell with the stats from the past 10 years. It's a different year, and right now this is a rivalry, and it is so good for the game. Every single game thus far, and again, we're recording this as this Sunday night game is going on, but every game so far, um, it's either been decided by one run, it's gone to extra innings, or there's been a comeback in late innings. Every yes. single game. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? It's exciting, man. I love it. A little, little news, little news, um, probably not news for the people listening, but it's news. This is active as we're talking here is Dave Roberts and his comments with Tatis possibly peeping at the catcher signs before that second home run. So again, we're putting up these clips on our YouTube here, but it is a second home run right before Bauer threw the pitch. It was a cutter on the outside. Catcher put his signs down. Shout out to Fuzzy, by the way, who's 
a really good follow on social media. He's the one that kind of found this uh, little quirky uh, happening within the game, if you will. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. I didn't Normally, I pay attention to stuff like that. Welcome to the but world. Even the, the more I watch it, I, it because of the shadows because under his, his visor of his helmet and then the shadows around the I just could, really couldn't tell if that's what he was doing or not. So if you see in this clip, he, when he peeped down to look at it, I don't even know if he was peeping at the sign. I should make that clear. He could have been looking at his shoulder. He could have been looking at his feet. He could have been looking anywhere. But hypothetically, Something. he is looking at the signs. The sign, the catcher put down his fingers and by the time Tatis looked down, the catcher signs were away. So if you think that Homer was a correct, cheap, I think he not. could have been trying to see movement. Sometimes this was, a, was something hitters do too, is you yeah. try to just glimpse if, if they're setting, because some catchers, you know, if they set up early, if there's nobody on base and, and you can feel it almost. And then you can, if you just use your peripheral, sometimes you can catch a glimpse if they're closer to the plate catchers tend to get a little closer to the plate on, on breaking ball so they can catch that break. So it looks better for the umpire. Um, so some, I don't want to say that's what he was doing, but good hitters do that. They, they look for little ways to get an advantage. And if you're going to set up early and a hitters going to use it, their advantage and yeah, is the other team going to like it? No. And I don't even know if that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, don't. Cause I've never seen him do that ever before. And it's never been pointed out and as scrutinized as everything and critical as everyone is, they would have already found a, another video of him doing it Agreed. and he's never done it. So I, there's plenty of times when I'm in the box and I'm like, man, like I feel like maybe I'm a little further to the plate. So I'll like look down, like just glance down to see where I am in proximity to the line or to the plate to check. Sometimes you can just feel off. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was just an alignment thing. He just checking where his feet were. I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't think he needs to do that. I don't know. Well, they asked manager Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts on Sunday afternoon, they asked him if he is, looking at the signs again this is hypothetical because we don't know what would you guys do to adjust and dave roberts said we will handle it basically um I, i'm paraphrasing yeah. here but he said we will handle it and the reporter uh good follow-up question he says what do you mean by that exactly do you mean you guys are going to pitch them differently and dave roberts said no it'll be handled up in other words in other words he was I'm fine with that work. if you catch I'm a guy yeah, if you catch a guy doing that and you stick them in the ribs or you hit them in the butt or like don't don't throw it his head obviously but like if you if you stick him for that if you if you think he if he does it again if you look back on video and notice oh he is trying to do that make your point yeah but uh i don't think he was i honestly don't i think he was it was more of like an alignment thing considering he's never done it before if if there had been video from the past like oh like this is if he but there there isn't so i'm I'm just gonna go with i don't think he was trying to steal signs is it's it, really hard too in the box. It, you can't really see the signs. Like what he was doing was like just looking down. Like you still can't. The signs are in there. Like they're really hard to see. It's dark in there. Mm-hmm. He would literally have to like turn his head and look down to see the sign. Yeah. So if anything, he's trying to feel a catcher setting up. Like I said, I don't think he was doing that though. I think he was. It was a, simply an alignment thing for him. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because again, I didn't play in the big leagues like you did, so I don't know the proper protocol. That said, at least the college level, I think it's okay for a hitter to peek at where the catcher is setting up. Like for me, when I was in high school, there's no rule against it. I used to look at the shadows, depending on where the sun was, I would look at the catcher's shadow. And if the catcher was setting up outside, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to throw a pitch outside. I think it's acceptable, at least from the levels I've played at, to recognize where the, maybe you hear them in your ear. Maybe you hear the catcher going to the right, left, whatever. I think it's acceptable to see where the catcher's setting up. But if you're staring down at the signs, that's when it's yeah. crossing the line. That's I, so the lack of turn of his head, it was more of like of a down look on the video. He definitely could not see the signs. No. Um, if maybe some of them swing, with the setup. Look I, at I just, swing. It, it, he, you don't make that shit. It wasn't a good swing. He barreled it at center. Granted, he hit it 400 plus feet. Yeah, he, but he yeah. did not get all of that ball. You don't make that shitty of a swing. You also don't you know pull that ball if you know what pitch is coming. You stay on it and hit it to right. Yeah, that's probably true. Because he's very has a lot of power to right field. So he was a little early on that, but he stays through the zone so long, which makes him so good, um, that he was still able to barrel it. Uh, so if he knew that pitch was coming, he hits that he hits that to right, in my opinion. Because you know pitches, even if he knows what the guy's setting up. Oh, he's going away. All right, I'm gonna stay through this to right field because 
I don't think he knew it was coming. I random Tatis uh, stat I want to throw out there. He's now today Sunday will be his 158th game. Coming into that game, he has 157 games played, 45 homers, 106 RBIs, 29 solo bases. He is the first player in the history of Major League Baseball within the first 162 games of their of their career to have at least 40 homers, 100 RBIs, and 20 bags. There's almost been 20,000 people to play professional baseball. He is the first player to ever do that within the first 162. That's incredible. Nuts. They Nuts. Why, why would they pay him? Why would they pay him that much money? Right there. Yeah. <laughs> he is the first player ever to eclipse those numbers within the first 162. That's yeah. and unbelievable. Going back, going back to the idea of a rivalry, if you don't think it's a rivalry or a feud, whatever, you, maybe you think history means more, these two teams don't like each other. It's as simple as that. I love it. You can I call it whatever stuff. the hell you want, but they don't like each other. I'm telling you right now, Dave Roberts, he takes exception to some of those Padres players. You can see it in his face. I'm not, I don't think he's a huge fan of Tatis. I don't think he's a huge fan of Trent Grisham. Hey, listen, Dave Roberts was my bench coach in San Diego. Mm-hmm. There is not a more competitive human being. I, he's I, so nice and well-spoken, but he doesn't want you to beat him in anything. Mm-hmm. He is so competitive, and that's what makes him so good of a manager. Um, and his players can feel that, and his players love him. I loved him in San Diego when I was there. Um, just his fiery, like he's fiery and competitive, but he's so professional, has a shell about him that's so professional and calming, uh, so, which is great in, in, in baseball because things get crazy and the game speeds up sometimes. And when you have a leader like Dave Roberts, who is competitive and, and can get into it and get going, but he's so calm, he's mm-hmm. a good mix. And uh, yeah, no, he, he doesn't like what's going on because he wants to win, number one. And they're there trying to take their crown. And they think they can. And he wants to let them know. We're still big bro. Okay. Love it. The, Good crown, stuff. the crown's coming off this year. Okay, Homer. Let's bring on Dallas Braden, Barstool, NBC Sports California. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about this 13-game winning streak that did come to an end for the Oakland A's coming up next. Welcome back. Wake and Rake podcast. We're joined by Dallas Braden, of course, broadcaster with the Oakland A's now, pitched five seasons in the bigs with the Oakland A's. Oakland home and grown. I should say Stockton home and grown. First of all, I got to say, man, you on the broadcast on A's, I've been saying this for years. You make me tune into A's games so much more just because of how unapologetic you are with your personality. So I want to thank you first and foremost for just being you on the broadcast because it's bringing more passion to the game and I freaking love it. Well, uh, I, I appreciate that, D. I, I do, man, because um, I've, I, I take this kind of approach. One of my favorite guys to listen to uh, outside of the guys that I grew up listening to in the Bay Area, Hawk Harrelson, unapologetic Homer. Yes. Uh, but just going to tell you how it is. Good days, bad days. Uh, the guys in the clubhouse are not off limits as well. But, like, if you're one for 72 and you get that second one, I'm – I'm here to tell the world that you've been 72 for 70 and like, you're, that's just how I want to approach things. So I appreciate that. There's a lot of good talent in this game and we are so lucky to be able to watch these dudes day in and day out. And, you know, whether they're on your side or not to be able to share and just, I guess, educate on a different level, like who these dudes are and what they're about. That's, that's our job. So I take it, I take it seriously, but, but thank you, man. That means a lot to me. Yeah. It gets, uh, I mean, the baseball media gets so suit and tie and oh, Willie, politically correct, and that's yeah. just not really what baseball is no. within within the clubhouse and and no. between the lines. So it's good to get like a little inside peek to that, you know. So the A's fans are probably, I mean, baseball fans in general love it, but just well, dude, to uh, yeah, you know, like, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. Like you have relationships with the, with the individuals who are a part of that, you know, part of that world, and and that's just. Like for better or worse, you can't fake the funk. You can't fake who you are. No. And so like, why try? Well, so many people forget, ex-players forget how hard the game was too. Oh, dude. <laughs> it, no, it, it, it blows my mind listening to some of these guys. And I'm like, are you sick? Like, I'm not going to name names, but certain guys, you know, how, how the heck does he swing at that? How yeah. does he throw this? You know, bro, no, this is a every, hard, this is the hardest game in the world. 
dude, every day, every day for me is a reminder of how terrible I was and how fortunate I I was to even be in the same world as some of these dudes, right? Like guys that I can talk to on my cell phone about the game, guys that I do talk to, like I go home and talk to Dave Stewart about pitching. You know what I mean? Like me. How many years did you pitch? Six? Uh, uh, no, no, I was on, I was on a roster for that long. Uh, I was a payroll bandit, uh, you know, with my arm falling off. So yeah, like, like three, three and a half, four, some odd. Yeah. Just, um, I think I had parts of six. So, and, but like service time, I had like four. So I'm like, right. I'm right there with you. I mean, my, my thing was, I've like, I was the opening day starter. I was the last guy in the bullpen. I was the long man swing guy mop up, dude. I've closed a big league ball game. Like, so I've, I've done, you know, all of the cool things, I guess that pitching has to offer. And, you know, I've, I've, I got all those badges. Um, just, it wasn't 15 years, which if you're listening to my body, uh, was not going to happen. <laughs> so I, I also get that. I hundred yeah. percent understand that. <laughs> you know, hey, man, you got that perfect game badge too, which by the way, we're about a little bit more than a week away from the, uh, anniversary of that perfect game on mother's day. Are you tired of talking about that shit, man? Or you love talking about it still a few years later? You gotta still love it, right? Bro, if you've been watching the Oakland A's, D, what we yeah. do is ride waves, guy. That's what we do. Dude. And I have prided myself on on catching the biggest wave that's ever come my way and somehow, some way, like hanging on. So, um, and and if I'm being serious, like the cool, the cool part about it is being here in Oakland and being with these fans. And, and honestly, baseball fans in general, every day, um, almost every day I get stopped and I get a story, two stories when it's here in, in Oakland, I can go to the ballpark. Like I got to take different routes because I, I, I get stopped and I got to tell you, I love every minute of it. I just got to be down there to be talking to other people. I got to be on TV. So otherwise, if I had it my way, we'd let the people in the ballpark, uh, you know, up with the sun and I'd show up and we'd hang out all damn day every day. Yeah. Being able to share that with those with those fans who are so passionate, who, I mean, these fans drive from Oakland to Stockton to go watch the A-ball team play at nighttime when they start those games at seven because it's hotter than balls and you can't start at one o'clock in the middle of the Valley because you'll light your face on fire. Like that's the kind of people that are supporting you. So like to be around those people, like it's a blessing, man. It really is. It's a day that we share. I hate is that. that. Uh, Sorry, go bro. ahead, Denny. Cut you off here. I want to. I want to ride this way. Uh, I hate that A's fans get this bad re- uh, reputation that there's not a lot of them. Maybe there's not a lot, but they show out when the games are come playoff time. I mean, I, I was at O.Co. two seasons ago when Manaya was on the mound that wild card game. They were clinging for anything. They didn't get anything. I mean, they ended up no. shit the bed basically against Tampa. Yep. But dude, that place was full, and the oh. diehards in right field, dude, they are second to none in this league, and so I've always hated the A's fans get this bad reputation, man, because dude, they show out, and they are passionate, and they know the game of baseball, too. I've said I've said this for oh, years. for sure. I think overall, if you're talking about A's fans versus Giants fans, there's more Giants fans, but A's fans are more knowledgeable when you actually listen to them in the stands. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I'm a well, Giants fan saying that. I drop, a, I drop a per capita. Like, yeah. per capita. The A's fans... And the, the frenzy that they can work out. Like I tell you straight up, you talk to anybody who's been there in late September, October playoff time, playoff implications. And, and the fans show up like you do, you got 30,000, 35,000 plus absolute maniacs (laughs) who are all in sync with every drum beat that they're throwing out there from right field will and the gang they're losing. I mean, the signage, like the, the whole group, the whole group, they're just, they make your time at the ballpark, what it is. They make it special. That's why when you missed going to the ballpark, that's why is because fans like that, you know, there's, there's, and there's fans like that all across the game teams. Every team has their, their diehards. You think seven line army with the New York Mets, uh, the homies of my Pittsburgh pirates, the renegades of the rotunda, like there's just, (laughs) The list goes on. You've got maniacs, um, but to have them right there be as loud as they are, as few as they are, you know, Ryan and Dances with Wolves, they're talking about how many of them there are, and he's like, we are few, but we're crazy. <laughs> it's already a hard place to play as a road team, too. And then you add oh, yeah. that, and it's just – I mean, you saw it's a the graveyard, day. What would you say? So it's a graveyard. 
It is. When that sun goes down, I, I, I hit a homer at night there. That a boy. Dead center off a uh, oh stop a, a bad. It was my Stay last. Fair. It was my last big league homer actually. Fernando Abad. Yeah, Abad. Oh, that's the wow. One. Yeah, that's central. All I had, but I hit it and hit I was it. like, I'm hauling ass because this is gonna hit the fence. <laughs> oh, you're and gonna have to step on out. it to get it out there. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, man, that's a tough place to play, especially uh, if you're coming off the bench because there's no batting cage uh, close. No, you're running uh-huh, sprints yeah. to the bullpen and back because the the batting cage is behind center field. <laughs> so yeah, that that was tough being a bench player there, but it's in the AL, so you, you don't really have to worry about it too much. Unless yeah, you're not gonna have to wear it. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, ace. Let's talk about this ace team right now. They won 13 straight. Obviously, they lost today. Um, man, like back to riding the wave. Holy shit! Like yeah, every, well, they went 0 and six, and they weren't just like losing the first six games like they were getting boat raced yeah well it was it was it was bad that's why like it was super easy for me to go spin zone right away because (laughs) i was able to say dude dude it's not gonna get any worse like right now it's not gonna get any worse we are not pitching at all the bullpen wasn't getting it done at all there was zero hitting at all and there was no offense so when you look at like how those first games shook out and where they were collectively during or, or in all those categories like you you can't look at that and go yeah you get a, what 500 or the, no like you would need people to fall down and go blind out in the field for that to happen and that's just that just wasn't happening i i, th- I thought this was cool too or not cool but interesting so they rattled off 13 straight lost obviously lost today but the run differential is still negative two that's how bad the first six games were Yes. They've won. Yes. They won 13 straight and they're still a negative run differential. That's nuts. It, it, it is. And, and, a lot, and again, a lot of that was a lot of that was just a mixed bag of, of, you know, some struggling performances on the mound for the rotation and then the bullpen coming in and kind of cashing it in. And, right. and that's, you know how it goes. I mean, I know how it goes. I've been in both those spots where, where you feel like you, you meaning a good ball game. I mean, yeah, it's, it, collectively you just suck, and that's You're just trying to get the game over with, right? And 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 it feels and this is the thing about the A's is they've had success because they've gotten good together every step of the way, all the way up into the big leagues, and now starting their journey through the big leagues. This group yeah. together, for the most part, this nucleus, they've experienced that stuff together. So and it's rare. That's so super rare now, too. For sure, to have a core oh. group of guys that came up together. That doesn't and happen. Just, you try to do everything you can to, to enjoy when you, when you have players that are this special to, to try to enjoy their time together. We had a uh, Jerry Harrison jr. On our last episode. And we asked him, there's a bunch of unsung heroes with the Dodgers. There's about a thousand of them on the A's because nobody gives a shit about the A's nationally. Just frankly speaking, who's the sure. unsung biggest unsung hero with the Oakland A's in your opinion? I mean, I don't like it's This is such a, it's such a tough question because the guy is not unsung in Oakland fans know this dude and fans have been clamoring to see this dude every day. And what you saw in the first, what, three ball games, four ball games, whatever it was before he got banged up, Chad Pinder. And it's because Chad Pinder isn't given, uh, let me rephrase that. Chad Pinder for better or worse maybe hasn't been given the opportunity to put a stranglehold on an everyday opportunity. And it's not because he's not good on a list of a thousand reasons why that would be the case. That would be number 10,000. It's because he's almost too good at doing everything. Right. That he is so versatile. Like, I don't know if I want to just anchor him down here because he can go here and he can go there and he can do this and he doesn't even have to start and he's capable of doing that. So Chad Pinder becomes a Superman and it's like, what is this cape too long? Like what, what, what's going on? I, what, How does he feel about that? I mean, have you talked about that? Like, do you want oh, to sure. be a better, like where, where does he want to play every day? Well, he, I mean, like, and, or does he, you know, does he like embrace the Swiss army knife type player? I, I think, and, and look, without speaking for Chi, because I, I would let him answer that question right. thoroughly how he would want to, knowing knowing how he feels about the game and knowing how much he cares about his teammates. He understands his value. 
we all like to feed our family and we all like to put a roof over our head as well. And we all know how the ability to do that is attached to roles and defined and, you know, quote unquote, guaranteed playing time or opportunities to, so if you pick up what I'm putting down, like he knows how important he is and he appreciates that he would also like anybody who puts on a big league uniform, love the opportunity to say, you know what, this guy in the mirror right now, that guy's going to get 600 plus ABs this year. And it's going to be in this spot or that spot, you know, and, and I'm good with every team needs a Chad Bender too. Oh God. There's so much value there. And you, you look at him from the outside. If you don't really know the game and say, Oh, he's a bench player. He doesn't have an everyday position, but he has just as much value as Matt Chapman. Also, like he has just as much value because you can plug him anywhere. Right. And the Easy is on. he a leader? Is he like a clubhouse leader there too? Well, so what I was just going to say, Willie, is without the uh, and without the ability to measure the intangibles, the quantifiables, um, that's where Jad Pinder really separates himself, and that's what like they call it. <laughs> they used to call it Pindergarten. Like that's because they're all young and they all came up together and they're all just you know having fun. But you need somebody's attention grabbed. It's not who you think it's going to be in that clubhouse more times than not. You, you just have to look down the, look down the hallway, look down the clubhouse row and you see Chad Pender. And Interesting. I would have yeah. never known that. Yeah. No, but that's, that's, and that's, those are just, those are, like you said, those are guys you need and think about who's a better dude, really, Willie in a clubhouse um, to just, to be able to speak for everyone, if you will, the guy who's doing it all. Right. You know what I mean? Like the guy who's being asked to pinch hit like, Oh, Hey, how's your last over eight skid coming off the bench? That's great. You want to know what mine's like? Cause I do it too. He can give you that. He can also tell you, Hey man, I've been there through a rough stretch, blah, blah. He oh, can no. just, he can be the sounding board for, <clears throat> for damn near everyone in there. It's Did funny. You... We're talking about Chad Pender and I guarantee you half of the people listening to this podcast are going to be like, who the f- is Chad Pender? So if you're <laughs> yeah. listening to this, Go look up Chad Pender and actually watch the games because you well, will and, see what we're talking about here. And a dude, a uh, dude, uh, Danny, that I say like, man, like he's a guy where, and, and, and maybe my list is long just because I I enjoy the game as much as I do. But like, if you could sell pay per view tickets to guys taking BP, like Chad Pender is a dude that you'd be like, okay, undercard, wow. Uh, can we talk about pushing him to the main at some point in time? Like I want to watch the dude hammers baseballs, hammers baseballs. No, oh, I remember I'm pinch hitting it in the f- way back in the second deck in Oakland, which is like 460 feet. Yeah. It was like two, two years ago. And I was like, Oh, I remember playing against him in triple A. I didn't yeah. know he had it like that. Oh, he's got it like that dude. Great story. Uh, opening day. Shohei Otani is taking BP and before that happens, obviously the A's have taken BP and Chad Pinder's putting balls up into the seats above center field, above those windows, above the suites, just hammering balls. Chris right? Carter territory. Yeah. Oh yeah. And this is Chad Pinder and he's doing, and he's doing it to left center as well. Like, and you got to understand those suites out in left center are They're farther away far. than the suites are in center field. Those are really like Mike Piazza BP territory. That's kind of the last time I saw guys go up there Ew. and Chad Pinder's hammering balls out there. Fast forward, me and Eric Chavez are standing behind the cage uh, watching Otani hit, and we're talking, not really paying attention. Otani hits a ball, boom, both of our heads snap and look up, and Chavi goes, you want to know the last time I saw a lefty go up there? And I go, when? And he and he, he looked at himself, and he was like, <laughs> you know, because Chavi had just stupid pop too. Um, yeah, he and he was probably right, <laughs> but – thinking about where Chad Pinder was hitting those baseballs and then thinking about the ooh and ah that Otani got for the show he put on. And I'm like, yo, Chad Pinder was just doing this shit a half hour ago. Like, where were you? Yeah. All right. Lizardo. Let me ask you about Lizardo here. Uh, Let's stick with these young guns that don't get enough attention. So Will and I talked about this a lot. I I think the A's and Will echoes his sentiment. They're about an ace away from being like a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Whether that ace is from outside the organization or within, I don't know. I think Lazardo definitely has the stuff. There's no doubt about it. For him, it's really just command and getting ahead, of, uh, getting ahead of hitters. Because too often, he tries to fiddle around, and he's getting behind guys. He's working 1-0, 2-0. Then he's having to use his stuff. 
How do you like his progression so far this year? Because he gave up a bomb, obviously, to Hayes today. That ended up really being a difference maker. But I think he was making some, was it two bombs? Two bombs, thank you. And, uh, but I think he's made a lot of progress even in his last two weeks. You know, he's pitched a lot better lately. What are you seeing from Lazardo so far? Well, that's it. It's the command and the efficiency that has to continue to get better, I think, when you're first coming into the game and or coming into the league and you're, you're getting a feel for what you do well. And then you got to get a feel for the adjustments that are being made to you. And now you're feeling out your adjustments, right? Because you've got to continually stay one step ahead. So that early transition from getting to the big leagues and showing your stuff and navigating through that, that is the, that's the next step the, you know, the graduation. And that's kind of what, like you've said, he's going through right now. And it's about being more competitive around the zone on the whole for him, because his stuff is so good that you want to make everything you throw appetizing because when you can overpower guys as well, your margin for error goes up. You can make some mistakes in the zone. And if you're around the zone more often, now everything that you want to get cute with is, is now appetizing as opposed to just an egregious non-competitive miss. Yeah. And that's what you are always trying to do is either execute or work off of like the game of golf, how many shots do you pure? It's about your quality misses, right? And being able to have a, an approach, being able to create a line for yourself. Like maybe you didn't, like I said, square it up. Same thing on the mound. If you don't get that thing all the way in there, that's damage. But if you get it too far in there, two inches off, well, you know what? You may have just opened yourself up a, a door on the outside part of the plate. So can you work off that? But if that thing's five inches off or whatever, and it's not serving a purpose, you haven't changed eye level. So that's, that's what we're starting to see him do. And um, I, I think at times, because he's so good, he knows how good he is. Um, he just has to, he has to believe it at all times. He's so nice, dude. He's so modest. Like when you hear he, him, he's, he, I mean, that's, oh, that's dude. Say that he's nice on the mound. He's probably a competitor on the mound, but like when you hear him. In oh no, he's got some you in him. Too. Exactly. And that's, exactly. that's, that's why you see what you see. And that's probably why you think to yourself, this dude could be frontline guy. And that's yeah. why a lot of people see it is because you can see the competitive nature, the fire inside of him, like making a quality pitch, a big out, like he lets it eat. And I love every minute of it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's somebody to your point, Danny, that when you start thinking about how far you are away from being a competitive club or a force to be reckoned with, you know, pushing yourself over the hump, Lizardo's probably a guy that you think about. Yeah. Yeah. The, the league's not lacking stuff from pitchers anymore. It's a combination of command Ooh. and stuff that is separating guys. And, and as a hitter, it used to be 95 to hundred was like, Oh shit. All right. I got to get it going. Well, that's right. your everyday guy now. Right. So you're not going to just be able to miss middle and blow people's doors off anymore. Cause guys are ready for that. They're more accustomed. They're it, 100 miles an hour is normalized now, which is a complete joke. But, <laughs> it is. It's crazy. It's like, it's nuts. But I want to go down a little different path. I like that we're talking about pit. Like, who are some of your favorite lefties in the game right now? Lozardo just made me think of, you know, some guys. Well, dude, I mean, I've, I've been on the record, and I'm not just saying this because of recency bias. Like, straight up, we interviewed Trey Mancini and John Means in 2019, and I flew out on my birthday. So I could go and interview those dudes because we got the heads up like the day before. And they were like, sorry, it's such short notice. And I was like, if these guys are available, I want in. So I've got on a plane and flew out to go interview Trey Mancini and then John Means. And I, I, I just I, I enjoy everything about his game because he is he is the Ferrari, the Lambo, the Bugatti version of anything that I had ever hoped to be because <laughs> he's got that 9495 in the pocket. He's got the the sparkling change piece which which I had a decent change up. Um you did. Yeah. But he's got a he's got a spinner that works. He's got a nice curveball and like I mean I didn't have that. I had an absolute below average <laughs> on its best day. So to watch him go out there and move the fastball around the way he does um, is probably the second most impressive thing about him. Uh, Willie, you and I are talking about this 
earlier, it's his ability to compete and dominate in the strike zone one step further with two strikes as well. He just, it, and it's, it's with the off speed, the second guys know the changeups coming. And I, there was a guy like that in my career, Jeremy Hellickson, who could literally yes. stand on the mound and say, Hey bud, I'm throwing a combio here. And I go, all right. And I'd still be two feet. You know, the ball be two feet away from me as my bat's coming through the zone. But it just, uh, the first time I really paid attention to him was that opening Austin. Uh-huh. And he just shoved it right up their seven, ass. What, and he shot, just throwing everybody has the disappearing changeup now that they turn over and they, they roll it over. His is a straight four seam. Yes. And it plays so well off his fastball in because yeah. he'll, he'll go fastball in, change up in, fastball middle, change up middle. And guys just can't, they weren't even Dude, fouling it off. This was the third time through the lineup. Willie, it's the, 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 the swings and, and like I pay attention to little stuff like this, like today in the game, he had Jed Lowry who has got a phenomenal, just a super pro approach at the dish. He's got Jed Lowry swinging under changeups. Well, un- under change it, right? Like, and you, you might not think that's a big deal, but for somebody like me who is always trying to read a swing, read a take, read that right there gives me a lot of information. And that tells me that Jed Lowry is having trouble with a gas and brake game today. The speed jump slow you down, and that that fastball and that that changeup. Those rotations probably eerily similar. Very similar. And, and, and you don't see straight changes anymore. So that's, no. And that's that's why you guys are swinging under it. Normally you get the swing over on changeups just because well, of the obviously the late life, the sink, whatever. Straight change was are we looking at spin rate on straight changes now? I mean, oh you you believe that's I want to see the difference in spin rate between that and his fastball. And then look, right. look at the tilt on the axis and all that. Obviously, yep. it's pretty straight up and down, but yeah, like like I straight. honestly, I, I think that you could give me uh give me the iPad and let John Means throw a bullpen and get that I'll be in the bathroom. Photo. I'll be in the bathroom with the uh yeah, with the yeah, with the reps. Well, it's Trackman Rap Soto. I was yeah, gonna yeah. say, yeah, just give me two hype, give me a trackman of rap soto and a bottle of coconut oil and uh <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah. Because what well, I mean well, cut you off there. This is a PG thirteen. <laughs> hey, no, aggressive, Willie. Were you in Oakland with uh, Grant Balfour? Yes, absolutely. Was that not the most electric uh, entrance of all time when Grant Balfour would come in there with the headbangers? Oh, dude, yeah, them? you got the yeah, you got the headbangers going. You got everybody out again, all the fans out in right field just losing yeah. their mind. Not tell. Yeah, I miss that was, dude, man. He he what, was. I miss that dude, Balfour, dude. He was, he didn't give him just losing his fiery man. Oh, he would just lose his, just lose his mind, losing, (laughs) screaming, yelling, cussing at nobody, cussing at everybody. Like, you know, just, yeah, just, he had, he, oh God, an all time beauty, all time. By the way, Max Scherzer is going to be in an Oakland jersey or an Angels jersey sometime this year. I think Oakland, I can see it, man. I can honestly see him in an Oakland jersey. I mean, don't, don't, why, how, why are we even talking about, you can't Speaking do that to, oil. Me, to me. I mean, <laughs> really my word, like, Hey, if I need to start a campaign, I can do that. It's not about getting rid of anybody. It's about welcoming yeah. somebody like Max in. Let's, let's make that abundantly clear. If I need to look, Hey, I got a tidy little spot, quaint little warm, <laughs> cozy facility right here in beautiful jack london square max if you need a an extra room i got you plus um, couch yeah whatever we whatever need i gotta need. yeah, yeah, like yeah he can't afford his own stuff but 30 million dollars uh, a year i need well so that that's kind of leading me to my to my point about that just quickly to entertain that if the dude is okay with with what he's already got which is plenty of cheese he's got the chip like let's uh what do you say come on Let's do it again. Let's do it in the AL, buddy. Come on. Can you Let's imagine adding that? Because Lozardo, I think, is going to figure it out by the end of this year. I mean, he's already figuring it out. But I mean, more consistently in the zone with that stuff. Bassett, who is really good at, at home. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't, man, you got arm. Manaya's going to give you a good start. He's going to give you a chance to win. I like you guys a lot. I still think it's going to come down to the last week of the season with Houston. 
well, let's honestly. no, I uh, and and I'm I'm okay with that as much as you know because let's be real. At the end of the day, Willie, I'm not strapping it on. So right, I I, I do take some of the W's and L's home with me. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. I think that's, that's why obvious. you're good at what you do, though. You give a shit. But but yeah, like that's a unless I mean we can't leave out the lefty Cole Irvin who has been great point dealing. He was in he's Philly been, when I was there in spring training in eighteen. He's got yeah, good he's, stuff. He's been very good for the A's right now. And I mean, like, honestly, it's like, he's almost forcing your hand. Like you got guys coming back. Like Montas hasn't been great. And you got, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike fires is going to be coming back. Yeah. What's, what's the move. It's going to be interesting because I like Montas in the bullpen. I mean, Frankie's been a guy who you, you fall in love with on the mound as a starter, because you think about that kind of horsepower for six, seven, eight, not like, damn. Yeah. You, yeah. Give me that. But then you also think if that's, if there's a struggle to find a, a happy medium between maxing out and setting a, setting a sustainable pace for yourself, well then let's let this max out. You know what I mean? Because that's a guy that we could probably let step on the gas for two or three yeah, if you needed to. Right, and if that split is working, brother, good luck. Good, good, good luck. luck. Yeah. Are we ever gonna say uh, see AJ Puck? Yes, we should. Right. Uh, he's he he's still ticking. Um, yeah. that's that's always. I I'll, I'll say this like, I think it was tough early on, for AJ even when he first came into the big leagues because, he was just because of his situation coming back from Tommy John, um, he wasn't really given free run of the place meaning he couldn't really do a lot of the things that uh that he's used to doing on the mound in terms of pitch selection and you know they've got obviously they're watching a pitch count for good reason they want to make sure he's he's healthy so when you're dealing with that early it's kind of tough to really get to know yourself at the big league level yeah and then maybe you're switching roles as well you've started maybe you're coming out of the bullpen like that's always that's always something that can mess with your mentality. Uh, but the health is just going to be the biggest thing. And like for better or worse, if he can start 30 times, cause that's what they want. And he has a 76 ERA, but makes it to spring training the next year and is healthy and is written. Then who gives a damn, yeah. frankly, because you just want the kid. You just want him to be, you want him to be healthy. You want him to be out on the, on the diamond because he's such a special talent. He's probably going to be in a Nationals uniform, so stop. That. <laughs> stop that. Unless, but but I mean, you're t- you're t- if you're telling me that I'm interviewing Max Scherzer after a two hit CG shut piece, that's the point I'm getting at. AJ, I enjoyed Fan Fest with you, bud. It was it was fun. <laughs> hey, that's a lot of money you're gonna have to take on, so you're probably not gonna. Yeah, have yeah, no, we're 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 more than comfortable with AJ. Hey, go check out Dallas Braden's starting nine podcast with Barstool. And then, of course, he's on all the Oakland A's broadcasts. Dallas, dude, this was fun, man. We got to do this again. Great time. Great time hanging, boys. Anytime. Dallas Braden's good for the game. Said it multiple times. Uh, dude's, dude's got a <laughs> he's, personality. He, like, no he is a disaster of a human being in the best way possible. Yeah. He's so fun, man. I, he's such a good follow on social media, too. And yeah. like I said, he just, he's not going to give you the politically correct buttoned up answer. He's going to give you the real raw what's going on in the clubhouse, what happens with, between the lines. And, dude, he's awesome. That was fun. Yeah. He's so good. They literally created a new position for him within the broadcast. Like, they, so what they did with Braden, at least early on, is they implemented – he took Ray Fossey, who's the color analyst for the A's. He would substitute in for him every once in a while. Yeah. Then they realized, dude, this guy is bringing in ratings, and he's so good. We're going to create what's called an on-field analyst. I do. I meant to ask him about his setup because he's set up right behind home plate in the in the bleachers, basically. Yeah. And he just has his own section where he sits behind the plate and, and does stuff for the game. It's so cool, man. He's a perfect guy for it too. So, what do you got? Now, time now for Daddy of the Week. Danny's Daddy of the Week. Michael Kopech. Kopech. Kopech, which from your hometown, am that right? So he grew up in my hometown. He moved to Mount Pleasant, which is like forty minutes away, right down I thirty. Um, quite a bit younger than me but my dad was a was a coach baseball coach in my high school when he was in high school and played against him a couple times he's like hey you gotta you gotta check this kid out he's throwing like 96 97 he's like a junior senior in high school think he's gonna get drafted high there's no shy he's going to college he's going pro ball uh, his sister's from my hometown was uh went to high school around there so we know each other good people 
man, but he's just, he's always been a beast workout. He's just like shredded. He throws a hundred with super sync. He's got three good pitches and uh, he was coming back from injury, come back from surgery. And um, man, it's good to see him back. Another, add another guy to the list who throws 95 to hundred with movement and uh, two plus off speed pitches. Sweet. Against Texas on Sunday, five innings pitch. He had eight strikeouts through the first three innings. So nine outs recorded, eight Ks. <laughs> he ended up with five good. innings pitch, four hits, one earned, 10 Ks, and only five. Again, they're slowly implementing it. Yeah, his, his pitch up. count. I don't I don't know what he ended out pitch count wise, but um, I don't know if you have that. I don't have that in front of me, but I would. I would I'm guessing it was probably around like 80. 80 to not. Yeah. 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 But, so so yeah, they're increasing. And, and you're adding to that rotation that's already really good. So. This year, they weren't sure uh, what they were going to get out of him. They weren't sure if he was going to be a bullpen guy, a long guy. Put him in the rotation. He's yep. nasty. My other daddy of the week is going to be Mitch Hanniger. So coming into Sunday, he added two more RBIs on Sunday. But uh, this is coming into Sunday, so these stats aren't correctly updated. But coming into Sunday, he's hitting 291 with five homers, 17 ribbies, add a couple more RBIs, and his average is going to go up. So since 2017, now Hanniger's dealt with injuries. Right. It's 62 homers since 2017, Damn. yet he's only had one full season since 2017. So he played 96 games in 2017, 157 in 2018, 63 games in 2019, missed all of 2020, came back, is coming back here in 2021, and he's breaking again. He has more home runs since 2017 than guys like Luke Voigt, Corey Seager, and he's missed more than 200 time. games. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So, so I got so, Michael Kolpeck and Mitch Hanniger are my Danny's daddies of the week. For as far as uh, Hanniger goes, so in 2018, I was somewhat like messing my swing a little bit before I got hurt, mm-hmm. um, trying to create this launch angle and this path that the game is raving about at the time. It still is. Um, and he was a guy I like to watch on video because he did everything right. He, he's, if you watch his lower body, he stays low through the ball, like uses his lower body. His bat path is ridiculous. So, I like to watch hitters who did what I was trying to do. And he was one of them. And his, if he could just stay healthy, bro. Hey, they'll see you're all on these Mariners too. You love these Mariners. I like the Mariners. I'm not, you think they, I'm not saying they're winning the division yet. I just, I'm, hey, they're good for the division because they're not a pushover. Like you have to play well to beat them. I'm double downing on my idea that they're just going to be competitive. Like they have talent. That's how I, that's, I mean, that's how I felt about the Red Sox. Jared Clinton's not on the team yet. Yeah, that's true. Julio Rodriguez is not on the team yet. Those are two of the biggest prospects in baseball. Yeah, prospects. So it's like, what are you going to get? Flip a coin. You're not really sure how that transition to the big league is going to go in their first year. But but you're right, though. It's a lot of talent that has yet to see the field. So they're young. They're exciting. Daddies of the week, huh? Danny's daddies. You like it. You come up with that? Be proud of yourself. Tasting yourself, oh boy! All right, people. I can I can hear your uh, kids growling because they're hungry. Daddy needs to go make some chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see you guys next time on the Wake and Rake podcast. I guess. Bye, guys. <laughs>